0: It's the first time this year that I'm walking outside without a coat. That's how lovely the weather is all of a sudden. It really feels like springtime. And and here on the right side here, next to the church, I've never seen them before here in this location, almost a hundred tiny little purple and pink flowers. Absolutely the sign that winter is over, although you never know, but that spring is in the air and I'm super excited about that. What is that? That looks like a rabbit hole. Or... There's a little a box here with a an opening in it. Almost looks like uh, something made for for rabbits. House rabbits. <laughs> Weird. Anyway, oh, two doggies here So enjoying the nice weather. Hey, hey, buddy! Hey, buddy! Hey, buddy! Good girl! Good... Oh boy. Okay, sorry, I, I insulted you. <laughs> the weather is really awesome, and unfortunately I have not been able to enjoy the weather that much lately because, um, well, this past week was crazy. Absolutely crazy. I seem to say that a lot these days, but this last week was in overdrive because of a number of things that happened. Oh, wow, Here. Tiny yellow flowers, also in the grass, all over the place. I have I've not been outside. This is my first walk since I don't know two weeks or something like that. No, I did record an episode of the walk last week, but this is the first one where I can really enjoy it, weather-wise. Um, the the most important crazy thing that happened last week, and if you follow me on Facebook. Or on Twitter, you already know this. My mom got was hospitalized. Um, without warning, I get a phone call from my sister. And she's like, did you know that mom is at the hospital? I was like, what? My mom is 77 years old. So is my dad. But my dad, he actually looks his age. My mom, absolutely not. You would not believe that she's 77. Very uh, energetic and, and, I don't know, like... Uh, It's probably the Chinese influence or something like that, but she doesn't look as if she's in her 70s. But she was hospitalized because of a severe pain in her chest, tingling hands, all the signs of an impending uh, cardiac arrest or heart attack. And fortunately, um, she went to see a, a doctor, and the doctor immediately Uh, Called it and said Lady you're going to go to the hospital And she's like well I've got to go home And get the car and see if my husband can drive me there And and he's like no I'm going to call an ambulance You're going there right now And so she was brought to a neighboring town um, And diagnosed with uh, A blockage of Two of her three main arteries uh, Almost Blocked for 100% Which means that she was actually Very very close to having Uh, a a heart attack and fortunately she um, didn't have to go undergo heart surgery so the the next morning immediately she was hospitalized in in the afternoon and heard about it in the evening so it was too late to to go there Um, but the next morning I went to see her and at that time the doctors didn't know yet what to do Uh, whether she would need uh, heart surgery and a bypass operation or whether they could just place a few stents and uh, uh, do an angioplasty that ultimately was what they did Um, it was painful Uh, it was uh, trickier than they uh, thought it would be but they managed to bring in the stents and my mom is already home it's unbelievable so she's recovering now Uh, my dad uh, was home for a couple of days without help um, and I visited him on the same day that I went to see my mom. And I realized that my dad is really lost if he doesn't have people to take care of him. He doesn't know how to cook. He doesn't even know how to make coffee. So, fortunately, um, it was only for a short time. But then my mom got home and my my dad got um, a uh, got food poisoning. I mean, can you believe it? And now, so now he's a patient. So, ugh. But anyway, it seems to uh, uh, to go well for now, and and, and probably uh, this will heal r- rather quickly. And I've heard f- and I've seen it with parishioners of mine who that underwent the same type of uh, surgery um, that sometimes people feel ten years younger because their heart gets more oxygen again. And my mom also told me that her doctor had said this is probably something that you've been suffering from for many years that's a train in case you're wondering (laughs) always make an appearance in my podcasts so uh, that reminds me of the time that I went to China with her which was I think in 2013 or maybe even earlier I don't remember where she was already suffering from shortness of breath and at the time the doctor thought that it was um, uh, what is it COPD? so it had to do with her lungs and that's what she received treatment for turns out that diagnosis was completely wrong actually she even back then years ago she went to see um, a cardiologist but he and he examined her heart and her heart was fine so he said well don't bother me with this It's just probably your lungs that's how she was diagnosed with COPD and now it turns out that that first initial diagnosis was wrong or at least the The uh, specialist should have looked at her arteries, which he hasn't done. And so last week, I almost lost my mom. Which is crazy now that you think of it. And a great source of gratitude, of course, knowing that she's okay and she's going to recover and she's going to be probably going to be really, really well after this. But man, what a week. And that was not the only thing, there were a lot of other things that. changed, uh, uh, unexpectedly, plans that we made that were, um, that, that were going in another direction, and I'll spare you the details, but it wasn't funny anymore. And uh, I was also struggling with a number of deadlines that uh, uh, basically caused me to not have enough time to produce all the shows that we've committed to, uh, and that's the TV show, it's the podcasts it's the talk show, it's their news update about Pope Francis and the Vatican um, anything else? <laughs> it's just great well, and then of course I've got my parish obligations, the masses the this ongoing tour of uh, like an entire province almost, going from I, I'm in a different church almost every weekend now and I ha- I know, I'm starting to notice that that is also taking its toll uh, to always be talking to people that you don't really know yet in situations that are kind of unexpected like the other day i was at a mass and uh they were reading the wrong readings so that someone kind of didn't do his or her job and so i got the readings from the fifth week of of lent and then it's like what <laughs> can we please have a normal mass for for a change <laughs> and then you had the first communicants who were preparing themselves for first communion And that was a family mass and it was all different and you have to give them a lot of attention. Um, I'm noticing that once you have so much else going on in your life, well, I don't really have the margin to deal with that. That (laughs) That is a big train. Lowering the volume a little bit is a huge industrial train that goes to Germany. It just goes on forever. Oh, boy. Well, unfortunately, I can't predict when these trains pass by, but that was a deafening sound, at least in my ears. Anyway. And I i, I survived, fortunately. Uh, I was very happy with the readings this, this Sunday, uh, especially the... Uh, well, actually, both Sunday readings in church were, were very applicable to my life. The first one was um, you have two types of people. Basically, this is the prophet of Jeremiah. Uh, you have people that count on other people, just on human people. They forget about God. And those are like a barren, like a a plant in a barren desert. They don't really have the the strength and the energy to. To continue, And then you have those that count on God and trust God. They're like a tree that have deep roots and that are able to reach the sources of life. And then whenever the weather turns bad, whether it is cold or warm or drought or, or, or storms, they'll survive because they're rooted in, in God's strength. And then the gospel was the Beatitudes where jesus talks to the people that have left everything to follow him his 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 disciples and he says well you're happy are you or blessed are you if you are hungry if you don't have clothes if you if the people are are uh, persecuting you because of me if you're crying if you're sick is then god can help you but on the other hand if you have enough in your life, if if you're full of yourself, basically, that is, I think, the shortcut, um, then you're in trouble because God cannot help you. If you don't need God, then he he can't help you. Um, and so it is this, this strange gospel message that uh, if you are in need, it's not necessarily a bad thing, as long as you turn to God and ask him for help. That is exactly what I've been doing, and I was so happy to see so many people have prayed with me for my mom. And uh, and I, I'm i convinced that that helps. And it did her a lot of good afterwards to read those comments and to read those, about those prayers on, on, on Facebook. I've got a very digitally savvy mom. And I think it will also help her in, in the weeks to come. So that is an experience. And the strange thing is the the more things were starting to go wrong the calmer I became. And almost as if my mind was sharper and was I was thinking with more clarity. So I, I was, I don't know, I had to step in the role of the person who calms other people and, and listens and encourages. And I had, I found the strength to do that. And well, I, I believe that that is exactly what Jesus describes. If you are in need and you ask for help, you will receive that help, and so I was surprisingly calm. I had to work hard on the like the deadline uh for for t v back then i uh, when I was confronted with the this request of, of producing another three episodes that were actually sh- scheduled for later in the year or later at least in this these first few months of the year, and all of a sudden uh, i didn 't have time to go out and film new new documentaries. I, I thought, well, maybe I can just take some of the material that I shot during one of my vacations in France. I went there with uh, the usual suspects, Father Henry, Father, Father Harry, and Father Michel. And uh, a couple of years ago, we went to the south of France, and we have been working as a parish priest, ba- basically, for a couple of weeks there. And in return, as a thank you, the bishop uh, granted us hospitality in his Episcopal Palace. And so that was really, uh, really cool that uh, someone... Uh, making a phone call on his bike. <laughs> Weird sounds all of a sudden behind me. So the um, and and I'd f- just filmed something I, back then. I think I was doing my vlog. As vlogging was still really hip and every and hip and new. And I thought that I should. That that was what I was going to do. This was way before I, I did my own television episodes. And so I did film everything with my Sony camera back then. And I figured, well, perhaps I have enough material to just tell a story about that experience and what, what I learned from that time in France. It's not every year that I do that. And then that turned out to be so much more work than I thought because in, in I was not talking to the camera in Dutch in any of that footage. I was saying a lot of things, kind of vlogging style uh, it, uh, this, this, was, this was the time that, that Chris Perillo was doing his thing And talking to the camera And I figured, well, I, I got to emulate that And so it's really, uh I can't watch it right now So I'm doing this quasi, I don't know uh, Like loose, a uh, little bit Trying to be funny without really feeling it <laughs> It felt contrived and forced and And it doesn't work It's that on-camera stuff where I'm just basically blabbing. None of that was useful. So, in order to still make it a story, I had to write a a voiceover with that story for that that lasts for 20 to 22 minutes. And I figured once I have that story and I read that, then I can just put the image on top of that and I'll be done. Well, it turns out that that is not as easy as it looks. And so, um this this past weekend, I the entire Friday I worked I think a total of 14 hours writing that and recording that voiceover and then uh, on Saturday I worked 12 hours and on Sunday after mass so it's like I've got two masses and then start working at 2 o'clock I worked another 12 hours so it's 24 hours in total that's insane (laughs) that's an insane amount of work Um, I didn't enjoy it It, if, if, if it hadn't been for the deadline I would have enjoyed it, let's put it that way, because it's it's great to see the footage from that time in France. It brings back a lot of happy memories because it was a wonderful time. It also made me think about you know, that's I aspire to that life in France, you know. (laughs) There's part of me that dreams about a life as a priest in, in those small villages. It's very romantic and it's very much it was filmed in the summertime, so the weather is great, the nature is gorgeous the people are super kind and super friendly and happy. Every time we show up, like it's the first time in months that they have a mass, So it's, it's, it's very gratifying. And so it made me think about, well, if that's your dream life, what are you doing here in the Netherlands? <laughs> are there things you can learn from that? And is this is, uh, should you make changes? And well, it's kind of a thought process that I've been going through for, for the past months now Like, how can I create more room in my life to be there in case of emergencies like with my mom um, that I can enjoy the things that I do put my attention to it um, to have more time to do what I do but do it well and do it with love and are there is there, is there a possibility to create around that some extra margin ...to work on my health... ...to be outside... ...to go for a walk... ...to just have nothing to do... ...to read a book or something like that... ...or watch a movie... And ...so like my, my movie subscription... ...to the local theater... ...is the Canary and the Coal Mine... ...if I haven't seen a movie in a month... ...then it's probably because I am too busy... ...and too tired... ...and well that has been exactly the case... ...this February... ...so... ...a uh, lot of... ...a lot of... Uh, uh, ...thinking going on... ...while I was editing that episode... But nevertheless, I still, you know, I managed to finish it. And um, I thought yesterday, I'm recording this on Monday morning, on Monday afternoon. Yesterday, I was still thinking, you know, I haven't had a single moment for myself this weekend. So I'm going to take the day off on Monday. Uh, you know, notwithstanding that there was a lot of work that had to be done. Uh, we have the, the talk show, the weekly talk show that we film... Of a live audience on Thursday, and then that has to be edited, and that's a ton of work because we're still working out the the quirks, we're we're trying to improve the uh, setup every week. And so, this time, this last Thursday, I filmed the talk show with three cameras, so we, we went from a webcam to a one camera setup. To a two camera setup on last Thursday, three cameras. Um, it looks amazing. I mean, I'm so happy and ex- excited that in four weeks we've been able to reach um, a quality both of the image but also the conversations. The guests are, are, are getting better and better thanks to uh, the fact that we now have someone who is actually producing the guests and does a take in uh, talk and then writes down the questions for our interviewer. And so we're getting, you know, good at this. And of course there are so many more things on my wish list, but I'm already, I couldn't be happier with the results so far. We're, we're uh, publishing everything on Facebook. So we get good numbers from that, about, uh, what is it, uh, 1,000 people, 1,200 people that watch it. That is, that is a, that's a lot in just a few weeks without any PR budget, without any advertising um without any uh, let's let's say the way it is without much support from from let's say from my own church uh it's almost as if people deliberately want to ignore that this 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 new initiative is there but we're in it for the long run I know that from experience that in social media youtube or whatever you do it you need time to build up an audience there's no pill for this there is no instant instant gratification in this, in this game and if you do get a, uh, like a surprise hit like the Star Wars trailer commentary that I recorded then it's, you peak, you have a million views and then it completely disappears afterwards, so that's not, it's not really interesting, I mean it's fun but it's, it's not uh, that's, that's not the way to do business on Facebook, it's all about building a relationship and a relationship takes time so I'm actually, I'm thinking we're doing everything right. But then the only thing is when, when there's one thing that, that you know, goes differently, like, for instance, my mom uh, being hospitalized, that is when you all of a sudden discover that you don't have any margin and something's got to give. And this time, of course, f- family first, which means that the, I have to find another time to edit that episode or to find help. Um, and, and this is not easy it's, uh, to to find something that is affordable, uh, a person who can do this um, at a, let's say short notice. So we've been puzzling about that uh, for a while, and then this morning I wake up and I got this feeling like I gotta go to work, I gotta go to the office. I feel I feel actually quite fine, um, strangely enough, despite the work that I've done and then I get to the office and it turns out that Martin our producer or office manager um, is down with uh, with an infection and he's got uh, uh, he's got a high fever and he he can't work and he'll probably be uh, out of the running for, for a couple of days if not a week and then all of a sudden I realize I need to take charge if I don't everything falls apart, and so I'm starting to make some phone calls and then it turns out because Martin was already feeling pretty bad uh for the past for for a couple of weeks he's been he's been kind of pushing this away like i'm i sh- I should just go to work I, I need to help I need to be there. He's been neglecting i think this uh, this infection and now he's paying the price, but it also meant that it also already in the previous weeks uh things were kind of on a standstill so uh this day. Um, I sat with uh, Inge and Hugo, one of our uh, cameraman, the people that help us with programs, to to fix everything and to make phone calls and uh, and 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 change our plans and and devise new, come up with a new strategy to at least fulfill our obligations. And then I just I just felt very calm, very much in control, very you know. Let's make this work. Let's find a positive solution to this. And it totally worked out. And I'm like, wow. I cannot believe how much energy I have to make this work. And I can only uh, attribute that to the to this... Well, what I did was to hand it over to God. I was like, I don't know how to solve this. I, I just know that I don't have the time or, or the resources to... Uh, to, to find a solution you need to step in here and and I think that is kind of what I'm experiencing now it's this feeling that well we're, maybe we'll have to make some tough choices I mean it doesn't, God is not doing the work for me but he's giving me right now or at least that's how I interpreted it uh, a, a sort of clarity of mind and a decisiveness and that is very helpful into making sure that we find a way forward and of course there's always a solution it just depends on on uh, the things you prioritize and, and I think the, another thing that has helped me is to be ready to uh, stop a number of things that you can't do, you can't do everything and prioritizing helps you, the thing that is lowest on your priority list maybe has to go it doesn't mean that it has to go but the fact that you, can, that you are ready to do that To also perhaps stumble and fail And not being able to meet everyone's expectations But the fact of letting go of that Like I have to do everything and every, That in itself helps you to find Or helped me at least to find clarity In my decisions I'm walking in the park here And I can tell that spring is in the air There are two dogs flirting with each other And uh, their owners are also flirting with each other well, they're working hand in hand, so that's kind of that's probably already the flirting happened a while ago. <laughs> and uh, it is, uh, I'm, I'm just happy with uh, the fact that for now it looks as if I've got at least the most urgent things under control. I've not solved everything because there's still too much work and too little time and not enough people that can help me right away. In the long run, I think it will, it will be totally fine. But it's still going to require some very careful planning and, and perhaps also uh, just being very creative to be as efficient as possible, not trying to do the things too well, for instance. So for somehow I need to make another episode, TV episode, between now and tomorrow evening. Even though I have this live stream also in the afternoon, but... There is an episode about Rome. As you know, this week there's this uh, meeting in the Vatican with um, more than 100 bishops uh, about the abuse crisis in the church. And then this week also saw the uh, uh, publication of a book about the Vatican by a French author who has done years of research. And I haven't read the book yet, but his theory is, well, there are a lot of people in the Vatican that live a double life, or have, uh, have strug- are struggling with their own sexuality, and that is why they may actually be more um, willing to cover up things, or at least not address the crisis, because it m- might expose their own situation. Which, of course, is a something that is a recurring theme of uh, of the homilies of uh, Pope Francis and in his addresses, where he's always admonishing people to not not fall for the temptation of leading a double life. And so this French journalist says, and again it's all to be verified of course, but uh, the more someone is sometimes struggling him, himself the more rigid he'll project an image to the outside world and it's kind of, I, I recognize that. I've seen that a lot not just in the, in the Vatican and in Rome during the two and a half years that I lived there, but also in other situations where Sometimes people are projecting an image of themselves. They want to be seen as very devout, faithful Catholics, uh, very, I don't know, churchy. <laughs> but it's it's a, it's a projection. It does not necessarily correspond to the, re- the reality of their life, not even to the reality of their faith. They may be struggling with a ton of things, but they feel that they cannot show that. They can't talk about that. Because they think that the best way to Help Jesus is to to project themselves as saints, and and people that, that they they actually and I, I I understand it in a certain way. He's trying to show that faith can help you to be a better person. Well, if you show how much of a a disaster you sometimes are in terms of applying your faith in your daily life, that's not a very good example. My experience is that it is totally okay to show your own weaknesses and to accept it the first thing you need to do is to accept yourself the way you are because that is how God accepts you God doesn't want you to kind of show a better version of yourself God is not looking at Facebook <laughs> to know you He doesn't see the the, 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 the the selfies where you took like 10 minutes to get the, the exact right angle and the right light in your face and then perhaps even you put in a filter to make your nose a, a, a bit shinier or something like that God just wants you to be who you are and if you have flaws and if you need his help he likes it even more because then he can help you so that's a different mindset and it is very liberating also because you don't have to be perfect quite on the contrary it's like what saint paul says it's it's when i'm weak that's when i'm strong because that's when god can be my strength and it, it it requires a certain humility the, the dogs are too far away now. They need some... Uh, they're probably causing more havoc. <laughs> they're, now they're running towards the dogs. So they're clearly doing something that they're not supposed to do. Oh, now they come back. <laughs> uh, I think there are other people walking their dogs so that's always a tricky situation when you have multiple dogs that don't know each other walking in the same park. So, um, and, and the, the situation in the Vatican the, the things that they describe uh, in, in the book sounds awfully familiar to me um, I've known people that have had very similar behavior to the type of behavior that the journalist describes where um, and you would have different categories I've also had a few really weird experiences myself with that, that shocked me Um, you'll have these um, certain people priests are just people (laughs) they're just like other human beings they have their flaws as well so you have uh, certain priests that are extremely rigid and very, not just rigid for themselves but very judgmental out of that it's almost as if like you have to be perfect like I am perfect that's always when you know that that can't be the case because no one is perfect we're not Jesus, we're not God so the moment someone pro- starts projecting that, like, look at me, I know how you should live. And look, and if you don't uh, reach the same standards that I set for myself, then you're evil and you're wrong and you're going to hell or whatever. I've, I've known priests that have that type of behavior subconsciously. I don't think that a lot of these people are, are trying to do that on purpose, but it's... I think it's part of the same process. I'm not a psychologist, but I can imagine that it's the same process of, like, you're uncertain about yourself. You struggle with things yourself. And so you, you, you think that the solution is, well, let's be even stricter. Let's, let's set the bar as high as possible. And then what they forget is that, yes, God wants you to set the bar high. But he also wants you to come to him and to ask for forgiveness and to be humble humble when you don't reach that goal, when you can't meet those expectations, because God loves you anyway. And He wants us to have that same, uh, that same look of mercy to the people that surround us, always remembering that that person that, you have, that you're struggling with or that is annoying you or is living and making different choices in life, that person too is a child of God. And God wants that person to go to heaven and the best way to accomplish that is not by smacking the other one in the face and you're good enough, you'll never be good enough and you should do this or you should do that. That is basically um, rejection. And, and you know from your own experience, I know from my own experience that someone who seems to tell you that you're not good enough and rejects you the way you are is the last person you want to hang out with or listen to or take advice from. So it's it's not helpful to have that judgmental attitude. And I've had that I've had that experience where sometimes I would get criticism from priests of tiny things that, according to them, I was doing wrong while celebrating mass or something like that, or or that just love to uh, point out inconsistencies or a lack of knowledge. If it, uh, would would always find the flaws of other people, and I think. I guess that some people like to point out other people 's flaws or love it when other people fail because it makes them feel less bad about themselves and and, and of course that never that 's a hunger that is never satisfied because you, if you don 't love yourself, if you don't accept yourself, then you will always need new new people to compensate that with new targets of your Ridicule or your correction, and but it's not—it's not a behavior out of love. It's a—it's almost a, uh, the opposite. It's a behavior out of self-loathing. If you can't love yourself, if you can't accept yourself with your failures, it is very hard to love someone else and to accept someone else's failure. That is why Jesus says that the second commandment the first one is to love God with everything you are and everything you have the second one is love your neighbor as yourself Jesus is very much aware that if you don't love yourself you can't love the people around you if you are merciless for yourself how can you have mercy for other people so that is behavior that I saw the, the, also definitely the strange compensation type of behavior of people that uh, may have same sex attraction Uh, I've been in situations where you felt the tension in the air where uh, you had a group of of priests and they were almost flirting with each other and that makes me or with other people I've I've been in an airplane at one point with uh, a monsignor and he was without shame flirting with uh this young handsome uh, uh steward or what is it the air the air host or whatever and and it was so shocking to me the age difference but also just the the, the temerity of of just just it was just flirting and it was totally inappropriate and i was sitting there i was like oh my goodness that uh, why? That's not acceptable behavior in any situation, let alone if you are uh, a, a priest. It's just totally not acceptable, and and, and really, I, I was I was shocked, and that happened with several people, several situations, and a lot of these priests that that, that displayed this behavior saw themselves as upstanding, faithful, orthodox priests. theres one time there was this priest who was like, I'm going to pray the Vespers at the Vatican. And uh, I, I love to go there in my cassock. And uh, I, 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 you know, I really, I want to look good. And uh, did you notice my shoes? Don't, never ask me if I notice anyone's shoes. Like, I couldn't care less about shoes. Uh, good gracious me. I, I do, <laughs> like I'm looking at my shoes. I don't even know which shoes I'm wearing today. I, 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 he was like, yeah, I've got these nice... These, he's got these golden, what is it? Clasp, clamps on it? Like gold. And he he paid a fortune for them. And he's like, oh, I, I love these shoes. Don't you like them too? I'm going to wear them when I'm going to pray the Vespers. And I'm, like, I, I remember just listening to that... And and I was like, I don't really know how to react to this. But this is like, okay, first contact with an alien from another planet? And, uh, uh, okay. But immediately I was like, okay, so he says he's going to pray the Vespers at the Vatican. You can pray the Vespers at home. I do it all the time. (laughs) doesn't really yield more grace to pray them. But I realized he's going there to show himself, to show his cassock his pious behavior his beautiful shoes and and that may not be the best reason for to go to prayer and jesus is actually quite clear about that behavior but i i mean that in a certain i don't want to judge people and um but it's it's i I think that jesus really wants to help people look in the mirror he just look at these certain people. They they just wear these beautiful robes, and they they all try to outmatch others with the, their dignity. They like to be greeted as rabbis in the street. They're always praying in the on the corners of the street. Don't be like them. Jesus couldn't be more clear. And you know that behavior has not changed. There's still so many examples of that. So the the one of the the scariest moments that I have experienced in the Vatican was. Um, I've heard stories about this and I've experienced this myself once so I heard stories about some, some of my fellow priests who had been harassed by, sometimes by bishops sometimes uh, at the Curia in Nevada during a meeting of the, that there there is these, these very touchy people um, that I remember one, one example of a priest that I know very well and he said there was, so we were at this meeting and then there's this, this priest, this Vatican official, a, a, a Vatican official or Monsignore and he he was kind of his behavior was weird and and he could tell that the other person was trying to kind of flirt or something like this, so he was like oh it's so warm here and then, so he unbuttoned his, uh, his priestly shirt that already is like that's, in a, that's not appropriate In Rome it's always warm, deal with it um, And then he Like I'm going to open a window And then he passed this other priest And put his arm around the shoulders Like I like, like, like caressing the shoulders Of this priest And I, I, he, I remember this, the, 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 the shock Of that priest that I know well And he's like That, is, that was so inappropriate And it happened with other people present. That is not—that's not appropriate behavior. This is getting close to harassment. So I know that story, and then I've experienced myself as well in a meeting where I was invited at the Vatican. Can't give you too many details because, again, I don't want to, you know, uh, put people in the spotlight or whatever. But it's just—I'll try to describe it in general terms. So I was in this situation where I'd never been before, I didn't know these people I was invited by someone to join a meeting with other priests and a, another Monsignore in the Vatican. It was in this beautiful palace and it was very sumptuous and I, I remember that this, this person from this Vatican Curia member was complaining that um, he, he didn't, his house I don't know, he had a conflict with someone basically he was not happy with his home and it really was a palace. It was so big. This could have featured in Game of Thrones, you know. It's you could easily house three dragons in that house. But it was, yeah, it was not good enough. And then the people were doing, were not uh, helping him uh, to, uh, you know. Of course, this house, uh, it's uh, not good, and it should be refurbished. And then they don't get, don't get the permissions. And the... but there was also something weird about the other priests present. It's almost as the moment I was i was raving way later than the other priest. Um, it was almost as if I was interrupting something. You, f- you feel that sometimes that you're not really welcome. It's like, huh, oh, I thought we were entre nous, you know? And they were all, like, very nicely coiffed, you know, beautiful hair, like these kind of, I don't know, fashion models almost, and nice cassocks, and they were having these... Sophisticated conversations and all of a sudden I show up and it was like, okay, what, what's uh what's up? <laughs> and like Ugh. And then this Curia member was also just weird. You could just feel I don't know. It's just that sometimes you feel like there's something in the air here that's not it's not supposed to be like let me run let's see if I can make it to the other side of the road while the the lights are green. Almost made it. And there we go a little bit of exercise <laughs> and then there, there was just this, this type of behavior that is not really crossing any borders, it's not, it's not harassment or anything but you feel that there is this is on the verge and that, that I felt it at, at the time, it felt like a, a threat to me literally, I was, I was thinking, I have to get out of here this is, there is something wrong with the situation. And it, it felt so weird to see this all male, all the same type of young, good looking priest, and this older Curia member that was kind of curting curding them. That's how it felt. I may have been completely wrong, and I can't give you any like proof of, of the, but it just felt it was this gut feeling like. There is something wrong about this situation and I need to get out of here. And I remember I was out in the in the streets in the de la Concernaciona and I was just like shaking. I was like, oh my god, what did just happen? And there was there were some more signs out there that I won't go into detail again. But I and then when I so I when I hear these stories of this journalist, I'm thinking Yeah. I don't know about the numbers that he that he uh uh, comes up with like uh, but this this is definitely something that I've seen with my own eyes and I've experienced this and so it's it's not complete fiction this is not damn brown and I can also see that this is a problem I've seen enough of this deviant behavior and I'm thinking I've probably only seen the tip of the iceberg and what shocked me the most and continues to shock me is this that, that just just people don't think that there's a problem with this behavior. And I'm, maybe because I'm from the Netherlands and we're very sens- sensitive about these issues, and also, probably also my upbringing, but you just feel that this is this is not moral, this is not good, and you should know better. If you are a priest, if you are trying to follow Christ, you know that this, you, this is not behavior. Uh, this, is, this is confession material. And, um... So, yeah, I can totally see that people are can maybe, maybe be, be blackmailed if this goes much further than I've witnessed. Well, then, of course, you become an easy prey for, let's not forget, Italy, the Vatican is, a, is surrounded by Italy, and Italy is, well, a country where um, you have certain criminal organizations that are always looking for people that they can blackmail and threaten into coercing into... Uh, into doing business with them and so the financial scandals are at least partially also linked to the same problem of people either having a a double life or they struggle and they they are fearful about their own uh, identity or whatever but because they work at the Vatican they have to project a certain image and that too also creates like a double life maybe not because they're Sexually active, or whatever, but still, the way you want to see yourself and be seen is does not match with your behavior, and that creates a, a real danger, I think, for the person, for the personal develop deve- de- development, personal growth, but also uh, even beyond that, because there are people who want to take advantage of that. And so, what I would say is that you need. Um, you need people in the Vatican first of all I think you, we need to break through this male dominance in the Vatican and in, in the Catholic Church in general <clears throat> it is not normal to have an organization that is this important and such a worldwide reach where women are so undervalued and, and not represented in percentage wise in the organization that in itself can Creates so many problems. It's not a healthy, healthy environment. <clears throat> so that's the first thing, and th- that is solvable. It may may mean you have to create some new structures and so, but it is totally feasible to put way more women in the Vatican. And I think it is absolutely. Perhaps they didn't want to have women in the Vatican as, because they felt it could be a threat to all those uh, uh, celibate priests. I would say if this journalist is right then you know what you can put as many women in the vatican as because their orientation is not towards women um i say this with uh, of course uh, half joking but i truly believe that this is an important step and an easy one and then i i think that we need more people in the vatican that um uh, that are there. I don't know the term in English, but it's like in a school where you have a confident... you know, someone that you can go to, and you can you can talk about the problems that you face at work. But that person will not tell other people. So they will. Ju- they're kind of like spiritual directors in a certain way, but they. I think they need to have a, a much more like uh, expertise in uh, development-wise, psych- psychological behavior, etc. But they you need to have these, these people that, that everyone trusts and that are there to help. And it should not be confessors because that's the first thing that they're going to say, well, you can have confession. It's basically the same thing. No, it's not the same thing. Confession is about sin and forgiveness. Those are moral categories. But this is behavioral help. You need in a situation where there is clearly so much wrong and I've no doubt about that, that that is true. There, there is a, a total dysfunction on several levels in the church, um, in, in, in dysfunction in, in dealing with the abuse crisis, but also an organizational dysfunction. You need professional help to to alleviate that dysfunctionality and to help the people that display this dysfunctional behavior. Um, and so that is something too. The Vatican, and I think also on a more local level in the church. We need to bring in the expertise to help the people that are in trouble and are causing trouble because of that for the people around them and for the church in general and for her mission. Why am I on this tangent? Well, that was another thing that was on my mind a lot. And I told my parishioners this weekend, um, this is, it's very important that we pray for this situation, that we ask God... To, to do what Jesus basically tells us to do, if you are poor, and this is also a, a, a basically poverty, this could be psychological poverty. It's, it's 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 you have a dysfunctioning church. The church has always been dysfunctional. Look at the, look at the apostles. How dysfunctional they were! All the bickering between the certain apostles, the betrayal of Peter, the first you know, the first of the apostles, the one on which Jesus wanted to build his church look at how dysfunctional he is and Jesus acknowledges it, it and and addresses it um Judas you, you name it uh the all the bickering going on in the first the early church communities it's all part of the of the biblical narrative because it is part of our reality and it is relevant today as well but you need to address it and so We should not look away or pretend that it's not there. That's the worst you can do. And I think that's why we are paying the price right now with with, uh, all these scandals. It is a church that tried to project itself as infallible. I'm not talking in a doctrinal way, but, you know, impeccable. Let's put it that way. And instead of acknowledging that we're all sinners and we all need help, and we need God's help, but sometimes if we can, (laughs) or often we need to also ask professional help because we're just humans. We're human beings. So that was a lot of my mind and I I hope that in that we can have that same clarity of mind. Like in a way, what needs to happen in the church, I think, resembles to, to the procedure that my mom underwent at the hospital. You have arteries, like spiritual arteries that are clogged up. And, and, and the thing that's clogging up it's, it's the sin, it's the double life it's the double standards it's the harshness it's the non-acceptance of themselves that is clogging up the arteries and it cannot receive and it cannot transmit God's lifeblood. literally like the blood of his, of his love in the Eucharist it stops at the person who needs to transmit it and he needs to pass it on and so what happens now in the Vatican this week Maybe the first treatment, it's not going to solve all the problems, but it could open up some of those arteries or at least make us aware that we need to go and seek professional help, just like my mom at one point, the, the hurt. It was hurting so much that she felt that I have to go to the hospital now, despite what I think. And <clears throat> that is, I think, what what, need, what the church needs to st- F- start doing first in in many area, many regions, many countries. That has already been the case. I mean, in in the U.S. in my country, many other countries, we are addressing the situation and we are already uh, ahead of some of the other countries. But this is not a worldwide progress. There are still so many countries. Like look at Poland, a lot of the abuse is now only now surfacing, and a lot of the priests there and bishops are on a pedestal, and the church. Seem to be this impenetrable fortress of of uprightness and, and moral virtue. Well, it's it's clear what we've learned over the past years is whenever there is power and there is no accountability, you will have abuse. Whoa, there's a guy with a loud motorbike. <clears throat> uh, so the 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 the. We know the mechanisms, and it's just part of, of of who we are as fallible human beings. So there is still a lot that needs to be done, and I think this is the first treatment. But we need to what what, what God wants is these arteries need to be deblocked for our for the good of the church, for the good of of <coughs> the mission. <coughs> Sorry about that. I'm still a little bit of a cold lingering there um and and but but also for the for the for the victims for for the and in a way the perpetrators are part of the victims strangely enough they too are victims of the of the situation and God wants to save everyone not just the ones that are you know doing the right thing and that's what we what we need to address and i hope that well i hope that we all pray for that and then we do what we can do ourselves in order to just be closer to God, and 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 make sure that nothing in our hearts is clogged up. That so that's an, an ongoing. And even I'm thinking if I kind of bring this back to the part of the other stuff that I was talking about earlier. If I look at my own life with all the work that I'm doing and uh, the lack of balance, that's in a, in a different way could be a, a, a could cause a blockage in 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 my arteries if if I don't have time if I'm constantly living under stress not only does it have a psychological and physical price to pay but it can also block me spiritually if if you just don't ha- take the time to breathe uh you well what what does that do spiritually what does that do with my life of faith fortunately for now and I thank thank God for that is I think I've, I've received extra grace to, to carry me through this. But it still requires me to make structural changes in order to make life more balanced in the near future. And that demands courage. It, it requires me to dare to take decisions and uh, to well let go of this idea that I need to please everyone and I need to do everything that I thought needed to be done that requires courage it, needs, it requires spiritual freedom and most of all faith whatever I do ultimately it's not that important it's what God wants to do and if I can help I can help and if I can't because well I have my limits too I'm only human then I'm, I should have enough trust that God will find other people to, uh, to help out that's what he's been doing for the past 2,000 years and longer so why, wouldn't, why would he all of a sudden stop doing that Alright, those are my thoughts for today. Thank you so much for listening. And if you have a moment to say a prayer for everyone that is in need of help in any way, shape, or form, please say a prayer for those anonymous patients, <laughs> anonymous people in need. Because there may be that some of them that nobody pray, prays for. Like, pray for the victims, first of all, but also pray for the perpetrators. So that, you know... Your prayer can help God embrace everyone who needs him. Amen. (laughs) Talk to you soon. Thanks. And, uh, well, see you soon.